Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners. So today in the podcast, we are going to be talking about how we can better support women during and after pregnancy who face some unique challenges. And it's amazing because we have two guests doing this podcast today. So I'd like to welcome Fiona and Larianne to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Hi, listeners. Hello. So I guess I'm going to start off with asking you both, and I'm assuming both of you are doulas, um, so you'll correct me if I'm incorrect. Um, You know, let's start with what got you interested in doing this role? Okay. So I became a doula about two years ago. Um, and it was really because when I had my son a little over 10 years ago, um, I had a great support system in terms of my family, but there was still a lot we didn't know amongst all of us. So yes, birth is a very, um, natural process, but there's still a lot of things that you need to know. So for me, I wanted to get all that information and really allow other families an opportunity to get to know that information in a really um, concrete, educated, fun way, um, but also be there that day. So not just teach them ahead of time, but also if you want me to be at your birth with you, I'd love to be there too. So um, I attended my first birth and I was like, yep, this is definitely amazing. I love being in that moment with my clients. And then it was, okay, should I also be there when they get home too? Like, I don't want to just be there for the baby's birthday party. I also want to be there once they're home and trying to figure out that transition. And yeah, it's, it's been a great two years so far. Amazing. Larry Ann? Um, so for me, I also had my first little over 10 years ago. It's crazy to say, but yeah. So unlike Fiona, I didn't have a lot of support. So I was pretty much on my own at 18, figuring out the medical system and how to juggle being a parent, being a student, being a teenager. Um, and it was really overwhelming. And when I gave birth, it was to say the least, like the least, it was horrible. Um, not only because I was alone, but because of certain like unique things that I experienced in the hospital setting and once I went home being alone I experienced horrible postpartum depression but I just didn't know what it was because of the lack of resources and the lack of a support system and over time as other people in my circle started to have babies I was mentoring them but I didn't know that this was dual support and it kind of just continued as I grew as a mom and as my daughter got older and as I had more kids I realized, hmm, I don't think that it's supposed to be this hard for moms 
during labor and after. And then I learned what a doula was. And ever since, I kind of just dove headfirst into it. And I love this. Amazing. Um, I, I think, you know, having that support is really, really important as well as knowledge because, you know, when I work with my clients, it's always like, why didn't anybody tell me? And I feel like what we're all trying to do is like, you know, dig our heels into the ground and run everywhere and tell everyone everything we know um, because we really, really want to help people. Exactly. That is honestly the bottom line to it all. We want to help people not have to have these challenging experiences. Absolutely. So let's talk about, um, is there a population of women that you feel face unique challenges during pregnancy? Like, is there a group of women that you absolutely love supporting who maybe perhaps need additional support? what have you sort of seen in your experience? So I wouldn't say that there's one specific population. I think that there are multiple. Um, single women, low-income families, teen, teen moms, teen pregnancies, undocumented immigrants, and Indigenous people, um, they all face unique challenges, and they're unique based on their specific circumstances. Um, In terms of me and supporting one specific pocket, I think because I was a teen mom and that resonates with me, I'm drawn to supporting teen mothers and supporting them. Um, I guess one thing I didn't mention is I was also a teen mom. So that is where we both really have a strong passion. We want to help those families really, like Lirianne was saying, navigate the medical system and also the fact that they have adolescent challenges on top of now they're becoming new parents. Absolutely. And, and that definitely just circumstantially has its own um, set of unique uh, challenges. So I, I think for, you know, the episode, I really want to dive into this uh, subject and see, you know, just what tidbits of information we can put out there for anybody who might be listening so that they're better, you know, educated and, and know how to access resources. So I guess one of my questions is, you know, you, you Obviously, they're adolescents, they're facing social challenges and deciding what they want to do with their lives while they're trying to raise a baby. Like, are there other unique circumstances that teen moms may be facing that people might just not be aware of or might not be prepared for or might not be thinking about those challenges? Yeah, I think... A lot of the times we are so quick to say to teen parents, like, oh, your life is over. I heard that so many times, but it's finding a different way of saying that. Your every mom's old life, in a sense, is over. It's a new life that you're going to be having. So for teens, it's really important that you steer them in a better way of how you manage those new expectations. So yes, your social life is going to be different. Your physical person is going to be different. You're mentally going to have different priorities. Um, And emotionally, birth, it is a game changer. (laughs) There's, you cannot control what your hormones are doing. And that just 
takes a lot of things up to another notch that sometimes you aren't prepared for. Yeah, I think a better way of framing it is not saying, hey, your life is going to be over. It's like, hey, you have this big life transition Mm -hmm. and mapping it out that way and saying, okay, these are the things that we need to manage and plan for. And just like even mentally framing it that way, it can make such a big difference. Because when I was here, your life is over. Like, I'm a very visual person. Like, I was like, oh, no, doom and gloom. Like, <laughs> yeah. hellfire is going to rain on me. What do I do now? Right? But if someone had said, listen, this is a transition. These are the things that we're going to work on. I would have felt differently. Yeah. Yeah. Because it feels more of, okay, I can plan my life. I can start making certain yes. changes rather than it's just over. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some, you have, there, when you frame it that way, it makes the person feel like there's some control. So like, they yeah. can control the outcome of their life despite being becoming a mom you know and I think that goes also for any new new mother um but especially for teenagers who are just learning to really manage their emotions and process things mentally and I and I imagine you know they're just getting used to you know you're just becoming sort of an adult uh and you're managing you know being independent and all of a sudden now you have somebody that's dependent on you um yeah, and, and I think, you know, saying your life is over, you know, to somebody who's really young sounds so final, yeah. right? Like this is the end, like it's <laughs> Armageddon, um, you know, and they're probably already quite freaked out. I mean, like, because of the conceptually we can think of like, okay, this is, this is pretty big change. I don't know what it means, but I know like life is going to be different. Um, so I think the language certainly that we use is going to be important here. Exactly. And in addition to, like you had mentioned, as an adolescent, you are becoming, you're kind of like finally getting to know yourself. Yes. And sometimes it can be challenging to get to know yourself, but also yourself as a parent. Yes. Um, And a lot of the times, like Lariana was saying, you don't have friends that have gone through it. And you don't always want to go to your parents because they had a different generation and they may not have had their child young. So they might not have the same um, concerns that you're having at that point in time. So that's really why Lariana and I are um, wanting to support teen parents because we've been through it. Although both of our circumstances were different, we still have been through that big life change while trying to navigate adolescence too. And a lot of, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of things that could have helped us was also accessibility to things. So yes, OHIP is amazing. So glad that we're in Ontario and that we have a lot of resources, but there are a lot of things that are not covered under OHIP. Mm Yeah. Also, just in terms of OHIP, like wait time. So for my situation, my daughter had a, a special needs and she has something called Williams syndrome, which we found out after she was born. And just to even get a diagnosis, it took two years. And that was because of navigating the system and wait times. So that also is a factor in terms of accessibility. Um, and I think that that's something that like even just educationally that team moms mothers overall should be um well like introduced to just like how to navigate that and what resources are out there as well for them to access yeah Yeah, i I, and just 
trying to figure out where to get information, how to get information, um, especially when you don't necessarily have anybody who can point you in the direction is probably really challenging and scary. Yeah. And even on that point, like there are a lot of regional programs that are out there for teen parents. Like for me, um, I actually had to leave my high school and I got sent to an alternative school. Um, specifically for teen parents. So in theory, it's great because I'm surrounded by other teen parents, but that was the only thing we had in common. So now I no longer had my regular social friends. I had kind of a whole different social group that I needed to kind of fit in with, but we didn't fit because our priorities weren't the same. And it just, it wasn't always, um, it's again, it's not easy to navigate trying to make new friends while done with your hormones. All of you guys are hormonal in the same class. <laughs> it was an interesting experience to say the least. But as an adolescent, you also need to be thinking about finishing your education. Yes. So I will say it's, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I imagine that, um, you know, there's concerns, you know, your life is over. When are you going to finish school or how are you going to do school yeah. while, you know, um, having a baby. So that certainly in and of itself is, is unique. Um, and it's good to hear that there are alternatives, number one, because some might not know that there are uh, ideal, less than ideal, but all, there are other options um, because then that means life isn't over. It just means it's just going to either be delayed here or you're just going to switch gears here. Um, there's always a way around it. And that's just having someone say to you, like, okay, you have a few options, whether it's figuring out school, whether it's figuring out childcare, whether it's figuring out your next career path, if you are potentially done school and now trying to figure out what to do next, like just having someone rooting for you in your corner makes all the difference. Yeah. What kinds of support do you think would be most helpful pre like prenatal, like maybe looking back at your experiences um, or, you know, looking at your experiences working with other team moms, like what have been the things that they've needed support with the most? Like, how do you help? That's a really good question. Um, I think that there are a couple of buckets that the support is needed in the most and it would come with education, transportation, um, resources, support groups, and like inclusive policies. So just in terms of education, it kind of touches like on what Fiona said already about like a plan to continue your education, but also um, childbirth and postpartum classes to kind of give you a comprehensive idea of what to expect, not just physiologically, but again, emotionally and mentally, and even how to take care of the baby because I, like most adolescents don't know how to care for another tiny human being because we're just figuring out how to take care of ourselves, right? And also financial literacy in that education bucket is so important. Mm -hmm. um, most teens may have a, a part-time job, but they may be putting their money into things that they like. They, when you have a baby, you have to think about saving. And if you don't have access to extended benefits, paying for those extras and living expenses and busing. Um, so just like a general money management class or even 
um, resources to how to access OW or how to create a resume to get a job. Sorry, OW is Ontario yes, Works. Sorry. It's like a social, um, social assistance usually done through the region. <laughs> sorry. That's okay. She, she already asked the question for me, so... <laughs> Thank you for clarifying the uh, an acronyms. Yeah, no worries. That's why we're here. <laughs> Perfect. Sorry, you can keep going. No, you weren't done. Oh, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, that financial financial literacy aspect is equally as important as the pre and postpartum education is um, aspect as well. Mm -hmm. I I would have never thought of that, but now that you're saying it, like there's a you know, there's quite a bit of expense, Yeah. you know, um, just in the sheer amount of changing clothes because they grow so fast, yeah. uh, <laughs> diapers, um, you know, all the things that go with raising a child um, that I guess would be more challenging if you're used to just having a part-time job and you haven't really broken into um, a marketplace um, where you're maybe getting a higher paying job like th that I imagine is highly challenging, especially if you don't sort of know how to, I mean, we don't get financial literacy that much, you know, going through the education system anyway. So, um, but in these cases, I imagine it being so important. Yes. And it's also like, you're not just thinking about the short term aspect of baby. Once baby's coming out, you're also thinking about, okay, what futuristic things is my baby going to need that I also should be budgeting for? Yeah. Because like for me, it was, okay, if I can start putting a little bit away for just his future needs, because like you said, they're going to be growing as well as potentially education, like $100 every month, it's maybe small to majority of people, but for an adolescent, it's huge. Compound interest, man. Yeah, like, and if you don't know that your interest is going to start compounding or what that even means, you're not going to think about the next few years. You're only going to think about the next few months and how are you going to get through that. So I think that the shift here is getting out of survival mode and yes. getting into sustainability like, and thinking of it that way. Absolutely. Um, and then you're talking about just like the basic prenatal information. How do you change a diaper? What's their poos look like? You know, when should I become worried when, you know, I mean, I just, I remember get, taking the classes and then saying like, this is what it looks like normally, you, you know, a newborn who's breastfeeding. And then if you see this, like, this is not good, right? Like nobody thinks about like learning about you know, the colors of poo or, you know, how many they've taken in a day or, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, your midwife asking you like, how many poops did your baby have? And I was like, I, I, I don't, right. I don't know. I can't even remember how many I took that day. Like <laughs> you're not thinking about it. I'm like, at least six. Is that normal? Um, <laughs> Is that the right answer? <laughs> or just like how often are they feeding? And like, you know, just, some really, really basic um, taking care of skills, right? Exactly. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention was um, it is very important for teens to get the, I guess, mental support prenatally so they feel like they can do this. 
because oftentimes, whether it's medical providers or even their family and friends can sometimes criticize them or like undermine them in a way that they are going to kind of just start taking over like, oh, you can't do this. So I'm just going to do it for you instead of no, let me encourage you and build you up so that you do feel confident. Even if you're not completely ready, that's okay. Most parents, they're not actually completely ready. You're never, you're always learning on the job. Just waiting for labor. It's like, oh my God, well, this is going to happen. I'm not ready for this, you know? You know, 37 weeks, I'm like, okay, I'm done here. I'm ready for this. And then it's like, no, I'm not. (laughs) You can come out now. (laughs) But it really is important to encourage every pregnant person, but especially those adolescent parents, because they just feel like the world is against them and they need to have confidence within themselves that they are going to be okay and that things will get better as they keep going. Absolutely. So, you know, we're talking about emotional support, mental support, you know, uh, financial education, prenatal education. Um, Is there anything else like during the pregnancy that you feel you, you know, as doulas you offer? I think that that would be like, letting them know that they have options outside of just uh, a doctor. Um, For myself, I didn't know that midwives were an option to me. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I thought midwives were something that I would have to pay for and I needed a lot of money to have. Um, So if I knew that I had options, maybe my birthing experience would have been a bit different. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. completely agree with that. Um, I had no idea what midwives were at the time. Um, So as doulas, part of our support is coming to your house or meeting somewhere where you are comfortable and having real conversations about what are the options out there? What are you thinking that you might like? Yes, it's totally okay that you don't know at that point in time what you're liking. But as we have our conversations, you're going to start realizing, oh, I really don't like that. Or, you know what, this is kind of an interest to me. Let me look into it a little bit more. And just our support is guiding you through what those options are so that when you do have your um, appointments with your care provider or finally go into labor and are at the hospital or if you're choosing a home birth, yes, that's an option in Ontario, um, you have an idea of what things to ask for and what you can say no to. I imagine, you know, the, just even learning about different interventions, right? Because when you're in the middle of labor, like there's so many things going on and they might be there themselves. They might have other support during the labor. Uh, You know, there's so much going on. Um, And I think having probably that pre-knowledge going, you know, the birth, I put in air quotes, the birth plan, you know, you try to plan, but you know, life will take its own direction, but at least feeling like you've been an active, educated participant in the process. And that's really what the birth plan process is. It's becoming an informed person, not necessarily mapping everything out, but just knowing what those options are. Absolutely. Let's talk about postpartum. So, you know, obviously a lot of doulas offer postpartum support. You know, what does, you know, what does that look like for a teen mom? Does it look different? Is it the same? 
So it really depends on their situation. So if they do not have anybody around at all, then it's let's be resourceful and find realistic ways to make this process easier for you. Um, a lot of, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the support that I um, like giving to teen parents is helping them find a way for them to do it on their own when I'm not there. Yes. You don't want to be that person that is just doing everything for them. It's okay. Yes, sometimes it is needed for them to take a break, just like every other parent. But for them, it's okay. When you're not here, how am I going to do this? Well, let's find ways together that's realistic for you. That's actually going to fit within your lifestyle, not just because I've said so, but because it makes sense for you. Absolutely. Um, also, when it comes to postpartum, childcare is huge because most childcare situations, it's from like 7 a.m. to maybe 6 p.m. And that's usually the cutoff. So if you have a job that's after hours, you don't have childcare anymore unless you have family and friends that are willing to step in for you. Right. So it's, again, it's finding resources. It's building your community when you're still in that pregnancy stage so that if it is another fellow teen parent or another parent that was at your birthing class that you guys just hit it off and things are really well, maybe they're open to watching your child for you for a little bit. It really is building connections within your community so that you have someone to call on. And it's important for you to know it's okay to call on other people and ask for help. It does not mean you're weak by any means. It means you are strong enough to ask for what you need. Yeah. A big thing for me was like removing the stigma attached to being a a teen parent and um, validating myself enough to say, okay, I need help with childcare. I need help with my mental health because I feel overwhelmed. Like when I finally did get out of that fog and realize, hey, I shouldn't be as sad as I am. Um, And reaching out to professionals who are trained and are non-judgmental and were able to help me navigate through that. And there are um, support, there is support available through OHIP that can be accessed. Um, and most people don't know that is another one of those things where they think, oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to shout out hundreds of dollars that I don't have um, to get this support. But there is support um, available through OHIP that is accessible. I used it and I know a lot of other people who have, and it's great to just be able to have someone to talk to or someone to say, hey, did you know that this was available for to you? And say, no, I didn't. This is amazing. Um, yeah, that was super helpful. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think it's important to recognize, or I think it's an important thing f- for us to acknowledge that there may be some shame and, and stigma attached from others in your, in your circle, um, which is hard not to, like, internalize and then yeah. if you do, not only are you pregnant or just had a baby and hormonally that's challenging, but then you're, you know, beating yourself up because yes. of a circumstance. Um, and, you know, it's not helpful. Yes. Yeah. And exactly what you were saying, like other people often don't realize that they have biases towards certain situations. 
and it's really it's been really hard by all means again i've had my son now for 10 years and i'm now owning that there's a lot of things that other people may have said to me that i should not have internalized and taken personally it was their own biases and their own challenges that they were going through that kind of just was projected onto me so um yeah learning how not to take things personally is is a really big thing but that's like a life you're gonna be learning yeah. all your life not just when you're pregnant yeah, <laughs> yeah we all face those moments where yeah. you know there's guilt and shame i mean it's you know that's a whole other podcast that can probably yeah. be done just <laughs> just on those two kind of you know emotions or you know situations but you know mm -hmm. i think that certainly with um you know teen pregnancy there there are certainly thoughts that people have about that um which i mean doesn't really change the fact that you know a baby's still coming and exactly. you know lift me up and help me navigate this because here's where i am exactly yes. and exactly. i can't go backwards exactly Exactly. And even to um, friends that might be supporting a teen parent, it is okay to say to them, like, I really don't know what you're going through, but I'm still willing to help. Let me know how. Because sometimes they just need to know that you're in their corner. And once they know that you're in, the, in their corner and just need some direction on how to help them, they will absolutely tell you what they need in that moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's just be that support person, just be in their corner and say, if you need something, I'm here. I'm always just a phone call away and then going from there. I think that's absolutely important. And even just to be the, the person that they can rest their head on their shoulder, just, you know, it's hard. And, you know, you don't have to fix it for them, but, you know, just even acknowledging, yes, this must be really, really hard. Yeah. I'm, um, I'll walk beside you. I, I don't know how, you know, so let's figure this out together. Exactly. Yeah. It could be so soothing to just, so I had a really great cousin actually, who's also a great friend and she didn't know nothing about babies, but she was my person. And we're like, okay, let's figure out how to change this diaper together as my baby is peeing as we're changing the diaper. <laughs> but that was like a bonding experience for us. And it was so validating to know that, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm the mom and she doesn't know what she's doing. So you know, it's okay to not know because we're going to figure it out. Yeah. 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 And, and certainly if you have an extra person to figure it out with is, yeah. is better than, you know, just trying to do it all on your own. So I think that's an important message. Yeah. And having, and again, building your community when you are pregnant is how you have somebody on your side that's potentially going through a similar experience and you can just be calling each other and say, Hey, this is what I've just experienced. Has your baby done that also? No. Okay. Let's find a way together to maybe make sense of this. Or who do you think we could potentially call? Cause two heads, always better than one yeah and on that note um i think that is also important just going back to the stigma thing not to just think that all teen parents are single moms because there are definitely teen families yeah. um and i think that the the notion line of thinking is like oh well she must be a single mom she must be really struggling but there are healthy happy families out there that are young and just supporting that dynamic and validating that and saying like you know you guys are doing great that's it's, i think it's admirable yeah yeah I think the big key is, you know, not to make assumptions, certainly about what that teen 
um, person is going through, um, but it's important to ask the right questions so that, you know, um, you get to know the, the, the situation. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. There are some assumptions that people tend to jump onto, um, that we need to be careful of. And for the families that are, are out there, not only does the birthing parent need support, but the partner needs support too, because they, again, you don't know their situation. You don't know if maybe now that partner is dropped out of school and is now trying to work a full-time job because he wants to make sure that, that they can support the new baby that's coming. Like, no, they still need to be finishing school for their career and education are on track and then finding a way to make money and financially um, be secure. So again, it's not looking at just the, par- the birthing parent, but looking at the family as a whole. Yeah. And on that note, um, fathers, they can experience postpartum depression too. And mm-hmm. that's not something that's talked about a lot. So just looking at it holistically, as Fiona said, and saying, does this father or other, you know, parent need support as well mentally? I imagine um, they're freaking out about it too right they're like oh my god my life is gonna change versus oh my god my life is over right yeah that's a really really important point to bring up that it may be more than one person requiring that extra support i want to talk about um any specific community resources or online resources that you've been able to access or are aware of that like if there's you know um a mom listening, she might just be able to look something up or, you know, at least know that there are, you know, if there are programs or, I mean, you mentioned the OW. Did I get that right? Was it OW? Okay. I don't know what that is, but maybe you could talk about like that or, or anything that you think, like just even from them listening to this podcast, like where they might be able to get access some good information. Okay. Um, So there are some regional stuff, as Fiona mentioned, and they tend to have eligibility requirements. Um, So one great resource is child care subsidies. Some have long wait lists, so it's a great idea to try to get on either as soon as your child is born. I think some you can get on once you find out you're pregnant and just confirm it using documentation um, just to get um, a reduction in the daycare fees. Um, for dental care, there's the Healthy Smiles Ontario program for low-income families to access dental care because that's super expensive but also super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are also regional subsidies for home costs, so rent subsidies. Um, some regions, like the, in the GTA, tend to have long wait lists, but I know that in um, some areas outside of the, the GTA, they're a bit shorter. Um, and there are other places like Jesse's, um, the June Cowwood Center for Young Women, and the Wood Green Homebound, Homeward Bound Program, sorry, that have application processes, and they provide pretty comprehensive care for young families. Those are, right? Like, I, I would have never known that, you know, those are even things that you could even, like, dental, you know, rent subs. Like, I think just even knowing that, you know, they could probably look up in their own region, but just even knowing that like that's, that kind of thing there. exists, it will even make it easier on Google, you know, to search, exactly. right? Like, yeah. like, what do you Google? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, right? Like, you know, I imagine 
you know, they're probably like Googling like, you know, information about baby and pregnancy and like, you know, but aren't necessarily even thinking about Googling things like, okay, well, you know, dental care, like, you know, so it's being proactive versus reactive and just even giving them the words so that they're better able to advocate and or search and gather information. Exactly. You got it. And there are other free programs out there too. So again, most regions have breastfeeding or just um, infant feeding clinics that they can go to. So um, one thing I wish I had known was that they were out there. So I definitely had a very challenging um, breastfeeding journey with my son um, because I didn't know that there was help. So I didn't know how to fix what I had going on or that there was someone that could actually just help me and talk me through it. So again, regionally, there are um, clinics that you can go to free of charge. There are lactation specialists out there, but those ones usually have a cost attached to it. Yep. Um, Also, your library, your public library, has so many good um, pregnancy-related books, birthing books, how to take care of your baby kind of books, postpartum mental health related topics. Like that is a great resource that is often underutilized. Um, So I highly recommend, you can even look online at the catalog for the library to know if they have the book that you're looking for. Yes. And on that note, if you have a library card, um, you can access it courses through like lynda.com and Skillshare for free. Um, so you could be upgrading your skill set while pregnant or when you're at home recovering for a while, all from the comfort of your bed. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. There's also local food banks that um, you can absolutely there might be some information they need to gather from you just to know whether you're eligible or not. Um, but often if you say that you're a teen parent and again, that you can kind of show that that's your situation, food bank is a great option for you to just, that's one less that you have to pay for. Exactly. Right. Cause there's going to be unexpected expenses that do come up. So, you know, you want to try to be as Any prepared. Can. Exactly. Yeah. There are also regional nurses that can come to your home. So it could be just a check-in. How are you mentally doing? Um, Is there anything that you might need support with? Did you have questions about baby or your recovery? This regional nurse can come to your house and have a conversation with you so that you can kind of get right back onto a better path versus just dealing with you, whatever it is that you're going through. And you were saying, and Larry, and you were saying that there's programs for um, like mental health uh, as well that's accessible through OHIP. Yes, yes. So, you know, if women wanted to do that, like, do they have to go to their family? I mean, certainly if you're, if you're feeling like things are not right and you're, you know, really sad all the time or you're having, you know, thoughts about, you, you know, harm or anything like that, you know, obviously see a physician, go to the ER, um, or if you're just kind of feeling sad and you're just not really sure why, like, do they have to go through a family doctor? Um, yes. So you have to be referred from your family doctor. And I believe the sessions are with a 
registered social worker and I think it's up to eight. I could be wrong, this is something to double check, but at the time when I accessed it, it was eight sessions. Um, but you definitely need a referral. And I know that there are fears when you're a teen mom that if you say certain things that like ch Children's Aid Society, CAS may get involved or you know that, that there's concerns there. But I think that it's, um, if you're uncomfortable with going directly to your doctor, then reaching out to a trusted support person in lieu um, may, may be a good way to just kind of vent. Um, but I would always say, like, go to your medical provider first if you're comfortable with that and access the resources that are out there. Yeah. yeah. You know, better to talk, um, you know, talk about it. I mean, lots of women and not even teen moms experience postpartum depression. Um, and oftentimes, you know, you don't have CAS running into people's homes just necessarily because you're feeling sad, right? Like the medical prof profession, you know, is really there to, to, to support you and get you to where you need to be. Or maybe it's a, you know, a prescription for a short period of time. Who knows what sort of everybody's situation is going to be unique, but certainly um, I think there's certain criteria that they would probably be, probably yeah. be looking for um, before CAS is. Yeah. I just calling. think it's a misconception for most like at risk communities where that's just a fear um, but I think that by properly educating them about how it actually works, mm -hmm. and it's it's a game changer in at least enabling them to access resources that are available to them instead of being scared. Absolutely, that's that was a good uh, point to to bring up. Um, so I'm going to ask, sort of, you know, like final thoughts, or is there anything that you want to share that you think? teen moms would appreciate hearing so kind of it's the same question I guess like final thoughts what what do they want to what what would they like to hear and go no. <laughs> <laughs> so we did touch on this a little bit before but it is really important to um, realize that yes your life is going to change but it is not over honestly um, we are two people right now that had our child 10 years ago we were both still in high school we are doing good our children are doing great um, you really need to build your community that's going to be huge um, having those extra people in your corner to just encourage you along the way can really change your overall experience um, so yes this is going to be a new transition for you um, and you need to treat it as such. It's, it's not going to be something that just happens. You, you need to prepare for it, mentally get ready for the fact that things are going to change and you're not going to be able to do some of the things that you used to do initially. Eventually you will be able to get back into going and hanging out with your friends and kind of just doing what you'd like to do. But you do have a little person that is going to need a lot of your time and energy and just again preparing mentally for that new life that is going to be coming is going to be really important yeah it definitely takes some time to grieve it, it really is at first a grieving process and going through those stages of grief and then coming to terms with what your life your new life is going to be like what it's going to be like and i would also say take the time out before you commit 
to any type of post-secondary to kind of really figure out what your interests are and don't feel forced to just take anything that you get accepted into just for the fact, the sake of taking it, but really yes. like doing some soul searching and figuring out who you are as a person. And then setting big goals and breaking them down into small mini goals and ticking them off as you accomplish them to hype yourself up to motivate you to keep going so when you try to look at the big picture all at once sometimes it could be so overwhelming and it may seem like it's something that you can't accomplish but breaking things down really makes a difference yeah that's a good point yeah just any new mom's gonna you know i'm just thinking you know um, there's challenges at every single, you know, yeah. every single phase. And I think it's important to acknowledge the grieving phase um, because life is different, yeah. right? Like, you know, I can speak for myself having, having a child, like the me before that to the me now. It's different. Very yeah. different. Yeah. Very different. And it's not a bad different. It's just different. Yeah. Exactly. You, it does need some acknowledgement, not just when it's happening and it's postpartum and it's hitting you in the face. It's just acknowledging ahead of time that, yeah, okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing these things anymore because I don't, it's not the right thing for me anymore. Um, and since we have somewhat of a like big goal and then we have smaller goals, you now have an action plan. You have things that you can stay focused on. So sometimes having um, a goal ahead of you, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel because you know what tunnel you're going through. Yeah. So it is really, really important to um, have big goals and little goals so that you can keep yourself on task and motivated. Absolutely. So in case there's somebody out there listening and you know, they're that, you know, they're a teen, they're about to be a mom and they're freaking out and they're like, oh my God, what do I, you know, what do I do? And the, you know, this is resonating with them. Like how can these ladies, well, I shouldn't assume ladies, how can the birthing parent find you? Um, so you can find me, Lirianne, at Mominate Wellness on Instagram or at www.mominatewellness.ca. Perfect. And we will post that in the show notes for um, anybody who's listening to easily access though. In case you're driving, don't, don't try to like write that out or, you know, it's okay. It'll, it'll be in the description of the episode. The links will be there for you to, uh, to access. Just figured I should make that point. clear. <laughs> Um, and for when, if you're looking for Fiona, you can find me um, at There For You Doula um, on Instagram. Amazing. Ladies, I want to thank you both so much for taking time to, you know, share your personal experiences, um, but also just like providing uh, good information and wisdom and sharing like resources that you've come across. Um, I think, I think this is helpful. Um, and I'm just so grateful that you guys came on to share that with us. Thanks for, Thank having, you for us. having us. We're so glad um, that we got to share all these new things with, uh, with families. Yeah.
Wonderful. And of course, we always want to thank our listeners for joining the show. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. That will ensure that uh, you receive the latest um, podcast to your phone or whatever digital media you're listening uh, to this podcast on. Um, And till next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.